What's up, everybody? I'm Mike Wilson with Any Hour Services, and we're proud to help bring you this podcast. If you ever need a resource for information about your home's electrical, plumbing, heating, or air conditioning system, you can find Any Hour Services on Facebook, YouTube, or online at anyhourservices.com. Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for two ninety nine subs. How would you like it? Uh, I'll take Drill Sergeant, please. You got it. All right, now listen up. I want each and every one of you to drop and give me a six-inch meatball marinara. Cold-cut combo. Veggie delight. Or black forest ham on your choice of bread with any veggies you want for just two ninety nine each. Subway! Make it what you want at participating restaurants. Additional charge for extras plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied. Welcome to Ideation Collective. Today on the show, we've got Rob Riggs, founder of Your Design Online. Uh, when budget uh, is more important than you know the final product, a lot of times you get what you don't pay for it, if you will. This is another episode of our Innovation and Leadership series, where we interview rocket scientists, pro athletes, Hollywood filmmakers, and a wide variety of other high achievers. If you like what you hear, we're also going to be releasing exclusive bonus materials like PDF checklists, reports, and presentations, but only for members of the collective. If you're interested in those, as of this recording, you can still join for free on the Ideation Collective website, which is iCollective.co slash free. Again, iCollective.co slash free. Also, before getting rolling, we want to invite you to consider helping the charity our founders started called Child Rescue. We work to combat child sex trafficking in the United States and abroad. One of our foreign projects we're working on right now is helping to build an aftercare orphanage in Cusco, Peru. To learn more about that, please come to the Child Rescue section on our website, iCollective.co slash Child Rescue. So with that out of the way, let's get to the interview. Rob, thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Jess. So um, I'm a bit of a marketing nerd, um, and I, I am constantly trying to talk to people and learn secrets and hear what people are doing. But uh, it's interesting having you on where you come from maybe more of the technical side than the creative side. Um, right. When you think about the approach that's worked for you guys to get these these big brands like a Hitachi or, or LabCorp, you know, 50,000 staff across the country, these larger companies, to use this type of service, what do you, what do you credit that to? That's uh, that's the age old question, I guess. Right. Um, it's, uh, you know, somebody told me in college, I think it was a professor, uh, that, uh, you have greater success, uh, more than anything else. Your success was dependent on who, you know, and, uh, I looked around my classroom and, uh, you know, at the time I was thinking, you know, he was talking about these people right here in this class, these are going to be my recipe for success down the road. Um, and, uh, I was, honestly, I was, um, I, I didn't get it, but where we see the most, um, uh, benefit, uh, and specifically with these clients that you've mentioned, it's, it's somebody that I've met along the way, either, uh, in a networking event or, uh, you know, speaking at an association, uh, you know, a conference, that sort of thing. Um, actually other yeah, competitors, um, competing companies, um, have referred business to us because either something was not in their wheelhouse exactly, or they didn't have the bandwidth, or um, uh, you know something like that. And we uh, step in and are able to help out with a, a small project and uh, are able to just grow that uh, relationship uh, through the life of that small project. And uh, so we've, like like you've mentioned, LabCorp, Hitachi, um, those have been relationships we've had for you know three, four, five years now. 
um, as a result of uh, just uh, you know that one connection uh, at a you know very casual place. Um, so you, the, another old adage, I guess, is uh, you know people do business with people that they know, like, and trust, and uh, I you can't undervalue uh, the like factor. <laughs> so if you're you know, friendly to people um, and uh, you honestly. Uh, you know, present yourself in, in such a way that you are genuinely interested in what people are doing, what um, what they are looking for in order to succeed. Uh, we have found that to be the recipe for our success in, in a lot of ways. So this is, you know, classic Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people. I mean, there's people like Warren Buffett raved about this kind of <laughs> approach for years, right? Um if you think about an actual example of that, because sometimes just the surface of it can, you know, it slips into like, I've heard that before kind of thing. When you think about a way to actually implement that, are there any specifics that come to mind of, well, you know, there's, there's one story and I just, I bumped in the guy that wasn't trying to meet him, but we did this and I was asking him about that and it turned into this. Any, anything like that, the, the, like the genuine interest, I mean, that you can think of, of applying that. Uh, so yeah, the, uh, I was at a uh, co-working space uh, when we were we were much smaller than we were now, and uh, the, the what's interesting about the co-working is you get people from all over in terms of you know verticals industries. Uh, you've got you know uh, people in clothing manufacturing. You've got you know a lot of web developers, but uh, you know that web development field is so uh, diverse in terms of what. Uh, you know, people could be doing that could be described as web development or marketing or, you know, web marketing, whatever. Um, but there was a, uh, a guy that was down the hall from us and he, we, we'd connected, you know, had lunch and, uh, you know, just very casual contact, uh, nice guy. And, um, we, he was always on the phone. And, uh, you know, he was there when I got in in the morning, which, you know, and I was there fairly early. He was there when I left, uh, you know, typically, which, uh, which was a little bit later than most. And, uh, so we kind of bonded over that, you know, the, um, those interactions that you have when passing each other in the hall or whatever, uh, the little niceties, but uh, we did, uh, you know, a lunch on occasion and, uh, he had a, uh, a need come up uh, for a client of his that he he could have absolutely done himself, but he just didn't have the bandwidth to do a great job for the client. And so he made the introduction, and uh, we we partnered on that project for a little while, uh, you know, and were able to deliver. And he changed jobs um, a few months later. And we um, he he was not interested in uh, in keeping the client, um, and so that's grown to be one of our largest, you know, you mentioned the, the 50,000 employees. Um, so you can imagine their marketing budgets and their, their IT budgets are also, you know, fairly large. Um, and uh, we were able to retain the client and uh, it's been, you know, they've been with us for you know, more than three years now. One of our not only largest clients, but largest revenue producing. So that was you know, a simple connection that turned into something great for us. Yeah. I feel like people classically underestimate the power of lunch. You know, everybody talks about business gets done on the golf course and stuff like that. For me, that takes too long and, uh, (laughs) and everybody's got to eat anyways. Right. Um, exactly. 
I feel like it's like the, I feel like there's so many good things. I mean, you talk about co-working space. Um, I feel like the best things that we're, we're in a co-working, co-working space right now called church and state that we love. But before that we were at the impact hub and, and they were great, but I really feel like the number one place for collisions was at, was at the lunch table. Like absolutely, I, I met the guys from Uber there. I met that, like all the, the, the VC that, that was housed at that, um, co-working space. It was like, you just kind of saw each other while you're microwaving your lunches enough time that you start talking, what do you do? Oh, you know, and right. You know, ends up this guy's a former special forces green beret that's running Uber Utah and, you know, and like, there's these interesting stories and, but it's like slightly more natural. Like it's not your networking event where the guy's walking up with the big smile and the business card in his hand as he's shaking your hand, you know, kind of, it's like a little more organic, which I don't know. There's like a little bit more of a, a trust. There's an opportunity, right. To, to develop the friendship and, and have it feel more like the other parts of our life. And then absolutely you're, you're meeting under natural circumstances and yeah. there's, there's that like and trust factor, you know, are automatically built in almost. Well, and even when it is like slightly more forced where it, maybe it's not organic, like maybe you've invited them to lunch. To me, I think like, man, if I'm going over to sell somebody something, they're going to give me about five minutes of small talk before they say, so what do you got and how much does it cost? <laughs> right? Right. Where uh-huh. if you buy them lunch, there's this thing of like, you can take a $600 an hour or $1,200 an hour lawyer out to lunch and you buy the $50 steak and they thank you. <laughs> and you're like, you realize the right. discount we just got. But um, there's this thing where it's almost like rude in our society to talk business before the, f- before the food comes out. And so right. you get like 20 minutes of small talk to figure out what their worldview is and find out what's important to them. And you get all this intel to learn about what matters so you can have a conversation in terms of what they care about. Absolutely. And uh, I, uh, go ahead. I read a a big fan of um, audiobooks uh, because you can't, yeah, it's, uh, I don't have time to sit, or maybe I just can't sit still long enough to, uh, to read through like a, an old fashioned paper book. But um, I've read uh, Never Eat Alone. Mm, um, Keith Ferrazzi. I don't know. Like, yeah. Um, and that was, you know, just fantastic. I, it's a concept that I fundamentally believed in, but to hear the reasoning behind. Um, you know, why it makes so much sense to take that hour that everyone takes and uh, strategically reach out um, and, uh, you know, befriend someone over a, you know, taco or whatever. It's great. Well, it's amazing how packed people's schedules are. But then when you offer to buy lunch, how it's like, oh, I guess I did have that gap. I didn't realize, you know, right. (laughs) Um, You'll make it. Yeah. And now obviously he's leveraged it up to be, you know, hanging out with Meg Ryan. And so that's definitely something I think we should all attain to. But um, <laughs> so I'm interested, you know, content marketing, inbound marketing, you know, having a website that's not a brochure that actually gives a chance for interaction. These are these are things that get talked about a ton these days. But when you were starting a dozen years ago, is this was this your mindset back then or how's that evolved? Not at all. So I started um I was I was in I got a background in software development and uh, honestly started in the web based on a desire to uh, to build things that people actually engage with interacted with and uh, so the the web you know had been around for a little while but I saw um, uh, you know the potential there um, and I actually started uh, building websites you know I started my first one 
and uh, somebody liked it and asked me, hey, would you build one from for my company? You know, it's all you know, small solo, you know, whatever uh, business at that point. And um, by website number you know four or five, I saw this as a potential to make ongoing money, you know, two, three hundred extra dollars a month. And uh, so with the stars in my eyes, um, <laughs> you know, I, uh, <laughs> yeah, dream big. That's what I say. Dream big people. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, uh, you know, as things grew and, uh, you know, we got more uh, proficient and, uh, and really I, I started learning where I, my skills were useful and where they were not. And the more I got out of the way in terms of web design and actual, you know, building, coding, development, um, the more I stepped out and let, you know, my team, uh, and, uh, you know, this was after a couple of years, it wasn't at, you know, that, that $300 a month level, but, um, the more I stepped out of the way and let things happen, uh, the, the more success we had. And, uh, so we, uh, you know, we started growing really by my initially it started with me, uh, you know, outsourcing, you know, India or overseas saying other places. But um, the more, uh, you know, again, I just had to support the team that was actually doing the work and they did a much better, much more efficient. And, uh, you know, the clients were happier the more I just communicated and didn't uh, didn't pick up a, a you know, keyboard. You know, um, I find it fun talking to you because, uh, you are less, it seems like you're less concerned with everybody thinking you're a big deal. You know, (laughs) I meet, I meet a lot of people who, um, you know, they're ambitious and they're driven. Um, and the, I think a problem with that personality type is, is a problem that I have definitely suffered from. And maybe even more so when I was earlier in my career of, not only did I want to do something awesome, I wanted everybody to know that I was the one doing something awesome. And sure. uh, it seems like you don't suffer from that quite as much as I have or others do. Um, I, maybe early on. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, maybe you got I, some of it I, out of your system. <laughs> I guess so. But maybe, I mean, it's the more I, uh, and maybe it's the more I read uh, or uh, the more, you know, the, the team grows it's uh, it's more about you know, I realize that I got uh, what I need when uh, everybody here is happy and I'll um, and I recognize that I'm doing this sometimes intentionally but it's becoming second nature to pass off the credit. Um, I was on a conference call last week where somebody handed me uh, the credit for fixing a, a bug that was uh, you know took their site down um, and uh, but I I had to give. Uh, my team credit, but I think that that uh, that type of mentality really goes far um, with with clients because they recognize that they they're still going to think it was me, um, even though you know I I gave them you know a demand one of our our project managers credited him totally with that, um, but uh, but the team also sees that um, from time to time and it helps them build more. Um, brand equity, I think. Um, I'd much rather make my team happy uh, than a client happy because, you know, clients come and go, but my team, uh, you know, I, I want them to stick around forever because they're, mm-hmm. they're awesome. You know, I know you listen to a lot of audiobooks. Are you familiar with this Daniel Pink book called uh, Drive? I'm not familiar with that. No. Oh, it's awesome. He's got a great TED Talk and, and uh, 
whiteboard video about it too. But he just talks about how we all think pay your staff more and they'll work harder. But the, right. the research shows that once they're making as much as they'd make elsewhere, that that typically doesn't work. Where if you give them autonomy, the chance to, to be in charge of themselves more, a chance for mastery to become better and, and opportunities for meaning, like, so they feel like their job actually matters, that those things are, are statistically what get higher performance out of teams. And uh, once they've reached that, you know, maintenance level, that hygiene level of feeling like they're get, they're getting paid what they're worth. Um, and it's interesting, you know, um, somebody we're, we're having come on the show soon is a company called OC Tanner. They make like the Olympic rings and they make a lot of like recognition um, programs and actual items that companies give out. It's incredible right. how much uh, of a substitute recognition can be for higher pay or giving somebody yes. a fancier title instead of a higher pay. And we discount it and we just think, oh, I got to pay them more as owners, right. I think, a lot. And it's hard to keep that going because, uh, you know, everybody, it's, it's not enough anymore um, to be making, you know, if, if they're even on par with, you've got to keep raising that. Uh, and uh, you, you can't have salaries sit still. Uh, but that said, we, uh, based on where we are, uh, we don't offer a competitive salary, honestly. I, I'm, we're doing the best we can, but I value, and hopefully the team here values uh, culture, um, and like you said, that uh, that autonomy. Um, it's uh, the empowerment, I think, to do what they do. Me trusting them to uh, to get the job done in a way that the, is going to satisfy the client, um, and uh, and we're not the highest paying people around. You know what though. You have to pay people a lot to show show up somewhere they don't like being. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, well, I think kind of to my point about um, you know, kind of one of the things I'm impressed with you is is kind of this level headedness, ability to like self reflect. When we were talking about one of your one of your companies, one of your projects before, um, and and basically the idea of like building online outbox. And then coming to the coming to the conclusion you came to. Do you do you want to talk about your decision for for why you chose to stay specialized where you're at instead of continuing to build that? Sure, sure. It uh, it goes back to uh, that idea uh, that uh, you know companies, I think especially in their infancy or immaturity, will take anything that is you know attached to a check. And, uh, so if you're, you know, if we're building websites, uh, for people and they ask, uh, you know, Hey, would you help us get to the first page on Google or would you help us with this paper, paper click campaign or email marketing, uh, things that are within the scope of what we do, but not necessarily, you know, the, the core, um, it's, it's hard to turn down a check when you're struggling to make, you know, next week's payroll. But, uh, so, so we did have, you know, several clients ask for help with their email marketing and, and we did that on occasion with a, a few different platforms that were reputable, but I saw you know, the possibility again, you know, of, uh, missing out on revenue. And, uh, when, uh, so we, we started this brand and, uh, started marketing it and it ran and it, it was an email marketing for, service, right? So right, email marketing service. Uh, so it was the platform, and uh, it was 
uh, the all the everything that was involved in that. So from creating, um, it was almost you know software as a service, um, and uh, we uh, served clients for uh, probably three three four years uh, you know profitably, and it was just so much work. Um, it was it was a headache, and it got to be where it wasn't fun anymore. And when I looked around at the competitive landscape, uh, you had companies like Silverpop and Mailchimp and Exact Target. They were all pouring money, uh, development money, back into their platform to keep it uh, consistent and you know, current with technology. And um, honestly, it, it would have taken so much to pour back into ours to just stay on par. And it would it made more sense to partner with some of those companies, the Silver Pop Milchup, um, and refer our clients out uh, and work with them to support that. We would become, you know, value added um, in a reseller, uh, but we're not responsible for the uptime of the platform and that sort of thing. Um, and I, honestly, my uh, it was one of the happiest days of my life um, turning that system off and knowing we are not going to do that anymore ourselves. You know, it's such a interesting story to hear entrepreneurs saying, you know, we intentionally chose to refer our clients over to MailChimp and, and build a relationship with MailChimp instead of continue to fight them. Yeah, sure. And they were, they're based in Atlanta also, right? They are there. So yeah, they're a couple miles down the road from us, which is why what's uh, their, their platform is fantastic, which, you know, would have resulted in us referring to them regardless of, you know, where they're located. But it's, it's helpful when I can, you know, drive down the street, you know, drive down Peachtree two miles and, uh, and there they are. Um, they've got, you know, beautiful office space and, uh, and a lot of events they're, uh, they're honestly doing some really good, uh, work with small, you know, solopreneur, uh, businesses to help them get uh, their marketing together, and uh, it's it's kind of that uh, loss leader. They're they're doing this to get people in, but uh, their you know brand is all over their marketing, and uh, so obviously people when they when they're training people on how to do their email marketing, it's obviously on their system, and it's working for them. But yeah, I believe strongly that uh, in the concept of only do what only you can do. And so it's, uh, you know, we, we do web development and I don't want to get involved and spread thin into other areas. Uh, I'd rather pass that off and really do what, uh, what we excel at. Sure. And so how much will you get involved in, in advising the clients about their, like maybe you're setting up a WordPress for them or something like this. How much mm-hmm. will you get involved with helping them design their own content marketing of what they're going to put on this CMS you've built for them or you've helped arrange for them? Yeah, um, we do. Uh, we do help with advising. Um, and we, we have copywriters on staff that, uh, that can help, um, you know, where, uh, where it makes sense. But, uh, but mainly our, uh, we have two copywriters and mainly they do our own, you know, content and that sort of thing, you know, blog weekly or whatever, but they are available um, to help that with a strategy session, basically to think you know, now that, now I've got this great site. Now, how am I, what am I going to do with it? You know, why is somebody coming here? And, um, so that's something we can walk through with, with our clients. Sure. So, so thinking about that and thinking about having a website that's more than a brochure talking about yourself, you know, 
something that's a, an opportunity for a sincere connection with a client. Um, what are some of the rookie mistakes you see out there? I mean, there's in, in the template world, you know, the evolution has changed and now we've got stuff like a Squarespace that looks pretty and, and things like this. But when people are willing to go to that next level up and they need more custom stuff, what are, what are some of the rookie mistakes you see out there? Um, so the one we see most often is probably um, either, uh, you know, outsourcing to someone, you know, elsewhere in the country or, you know, in, even in another, you know, another part of the world um, where they either have not vetted very well um, or have not uh, yeah, communicated very well the intent. And that uh, we've, we've gotten so many clients um, that come to us when something was developed and it got 80% of the way there, but, uh, you know, their developer can't get it to do that next thing that they're trying to get it to do. Um, and it, when a lot of times we're able to pick that up and run with it and get it, you know, the, the rest of the way, uh, to meet their you know, objectives. But a lot of times the, uh, the interface was developed in such a way that it's just cheaper, uh, to start from scratch. And so we've, uh, you know, we're not, we're not the cheapest in town, um, you know, not the most expensive, but I, I really strive to provide the best value. So when we have the, uh, a, a true kickoff meeting in the beginning where we talk about, you know, where are you at, where are you trying to get to and what, uh, what are the you know, obstacles in the way we get all that out of the, out of the way in, in the front. Uh, side of the project where a lot of those people that, uh, you know, you Google, you know, cheap website design or whatever, uh, when budget uh, is more important than, you know, the final product, a lot of times you get what you don't pay for it, if you will. Yeah, I'm thinking about stuff that we've tried, you know, where we had some a kid in Romania and whatever, and we get we got lured into because it's so cheap. <laughs> it took so long. And in the end, we didn't actually get what we really wanted, right? Um, right, right. So if you were going to give tips to people for vetting, even even if it's vetting somebody in your own town, what what are some what's a checklist? What are some things that that maybe people don't often think to to verify up front? So, uh I the easy uh, easy one is check out their website and uh, and what does it look like? And I'm a uh, I realize that uh, you know the cobbler's children concept, uh, and our our personal site, you know, our, our own website is uh, it leaves some things to be desired, and we're just too busy to uh, to get to those. Um, but uh, but more importantly, check out uh, case studies uh, or portfolio, and and see what they've actually been uh, capable of producing. And uh, so that that next level is uh, is talk to their clients uh because and i'm not talking just about look at their you know reviews page or testimonials page because nobody's going to put up a testimonial that said these guys suck um but uh talk to the people reach out make a real are, life phone call absolutely um if a website is on their you know case studies page pick up a phone and you know call you'll get to the right person um, but uh, I'd say don't rely on the testimonials page because they're they're obviously only putting the positives up there. Um, but uh, but check out uh, check them out. So that's I think the most important piece of vetting is actually talking to uh, those previous clients. So look at um, 
did this provide what you were looking for, you know, on the budget you were looking for? Um, how were they to work with uh, in terms of, uh, you know, did you enjoy working with them? Um, or did they deliver things on time? Were they repeatedly late in what they uh, delivered? And, and then what's their relationship like on an ongoing basis? If you have an issue, you know, six months after the site launches, do they help you or do they say, you know, that's, that's going to be, you know, this, uh, you know, this amount of, uh, you know, dollars or, or what? Not that there's anything wrong with that. You know, we, we do some of that as well. Um, if there's a, uh, something that needs to be, you know, changed, if it's, you know, major, we may, you know, scope that before we, you know, give input. Um, but, uh, but we honestly want to provide the best value, like I said. Uh, so we want to make sure we understand exactly what somebody's looking for and what's going to put them in a good position to move forward in the future. Sure. So when you think about you know, the very small percentage of businesses that make it past five years and then the even smaller percentage of American businesses that make it past 10 years, um, what are some of the things that, you know, now that you're into a dozen years here with this, what are some of the things that you feel like you couldn't have learned any other way than actually doing it. That's a, that's a great question. Um, I think some of the, the, the biggest things I've learned um, in, just by practice are working and leading a team, I think. And that's uh, something you can read all the books on uh, that you want uh, through college and after. And, uh, and not to shortchange uh, reading but or auto, uh, you know, audiobooks, but uh, um, there is nothing out there that is going to apply specifically to a situation that comes up. You're going to have an employee that comes up and says, "I need an advance on you know payroll next week." Um, what do you do in that situation? What do you do when you get uh, you launch a website and uh, a large and then the, the client controls content from that. Uh, point forward and they plagiarize content or they use an image that they shouldn't have uh, that, you know, was on, they just found on Google. Who knew that was, you know, illegal um, without, you know, giving proper credit. But uh, how do you handle these situations that come up? And uh, so we've I've dealt with both of those and, and many, many more that uh, now I know exactly what I would do. But uh, until you're faced with that, uh, real time when you have to make a split second decision, it's it's hard to know what to do. Uh, did you have any mentors along the way that you that you went back to consistently, or was it just you got advice here and there from different people? So um, I've I have had mentors along the way, um, and, and not in an official capacity. Uh, my my roommate's brother um, had a business. This was uh, you know the year yeah. This was late '90s, I think. So I was I was just out of college, and uh, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And I was either in some multi-level marketing company or something, and, and talked to my roommate's brother. My roommate's brother was Nathan, and he had a uh, a home theater company that he built from the ground up. It was three or four years old, and uh, they were I think doing you know five hundred. Uh, in revenue, um, which was more money than I could imagine at the time. And uh, it's, it's amazing how perspective changes <laughs> things. But uh, um, $500,000. Um, and um, I, th I think, you know, I had heard of millionaires, but uh, to me, they didn't exist. 
until I met this guy that was personally doing it. But, um, you know, I, he gave me, you know, 15 minutes and I, I gave him my pitch and he, he looked at me and, uh, uh, honestly just said, you know what, um, you should find something that you love to do and, uh, and can get paid doing it. And, um, it's, I, I didn't know what the, I thought he was stupid at the time because he was just, you know, easy money, you know, get rich quick, um, you know, thing, mm-hmm. uh, and it, uh, that stuck with me for some reason, you know, sitting across the desk from him and thinking about what, uh, what do I enjoy doing? Um, and I think unless you detach what you enjoy doing from the paycheck that comes along with it, uh, you're not going to ultimately be successful, um, at that. If you're, if you're running your own, you know, running your own show, um, you've got to enjoy what you're doing. It's like and, that Venn diagram in Good to Great where he says, like, something you can be the best in the world at that has an economic engine that you're passionate about. Absolutely. You know, because if you're not passionate about it, like, business sucks, right? The lows are so low. <laughs> and right. if you don't actually like it, it's just the temptations to throw on the towel are so much worse when you don't even actually like it. You're just doing it because you, you can and because it makes money, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine being married to someone you weren't attracted to, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a lot more divorces. Um, well, um, you know, for a lot of us out here who would like to have clients that have 50,000 staff or have the Hitachis as clients, what advice would you have for uh, the entrepreneurs who are maybe they're doing something new or their their organization is newer that they've started? What advice would you have about locking in those first awesome clients what what's your sales strategy or what's your advice for for getting the kind of clients you want to get sure um so i I think first is the realization that you don't start there um you're you're never going to get uh you know coca-cola you know as your number one client um if you haven't had the the experience to uh that they're going to be looking for. So in, in experience, you know, anybody can build, you know, in our world, anybody can build a website. There are, you know, probably a hundred design firms within, you know, three miles of our office that would do a good job, honestly. But, um, the, the question that experience brings in is, uh, what happens when not everything goes smoothly? How do you address that issue? And, uh, and to me, that's what these big companies are looking for. That's why they're looking for uh, a resume of other large companies is because nothing goes as smoothly as you think it would. And uh, issues constantly come up. And how do, you, how do you deal with that? If you haven't worked with anybody of this size, uh, then you may not have encountered this type of uh, you know, problem. And that's why... With uh, some of our larger clients, we've uh, we've been in uh, in a project cycle uh, with them for a year and a half um, because it takes that long to get through the right channels, uh, to get things approved, to get things planned and scoped and uh, and you um, know in, in motion. Uh, where a lot of uh, you know ten years ago, even I I would not have had the uh, wherewithal to even get past the, uh, that sales process. You know, you saying that reminds me, um, I wish I could remember which comedian this was, but somebody in high school got 
that got a radio, like a high school radio job, okay, and mm. was able to go interview like professional comedians, like the Adam Sandlers of their day and stuff. Nice. And um, as a high school kid, and was telling, you know, was also saying, hey, listen, my, you know, my dream is to be a comedian. What, how do I do it? And they just said, hey, listen, the first two years, you're going to be terrible. You're not going to be funny. That's okay. We all have to go through that. So just know, like, get out there, get after it. You're not going to be funny, but that's okay. That's how you get funny. And so they were, they just talked about, so I got up there and I got booed off stage and I, you know, I told these jokes I thought were hilarious and got crickets, but I knew like this, oh, this is the formula of how you get there. So I, I, so I didn't quit. And now they're like, you know, movie star making 10 million a movie or whatever. Right. And sure. So I like you saying that, like nothing wrong with wanting Coca-Cola as a client. Um, and the road to get there is having companies that are not Coca-Cola along the way and right. level up, level up, level up, right? Absolutely. And you build on everything. Everything becomes a case study. Um, and we have trimmed our, you know, we have a, on our website, we have case studies of things that we've done in the, um, the caliber of projects that have gotten on there. Um, have, uh, you know, basically required that we get rid of, you know, Jimmy from, you know, 18 years ago uh, that, you know, no longer looks good on our, uh, you know, our case study page or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it's something that uh, you're always improving, always building upon your recent success. And um, I think you, you've got to look at uh, your recent successes and recent failures and figure out what you did well that got you to where you are and then uh, what you can continue to do well. So after, um, after each, pr- uh, well, we, once a month here, uh, we go off site and, uh, the company buys beer and we review all the projects that we've uh, launched that month since the, since the last meeting. And uh, we take an honest look, uh, we don't personalize it, but, uh, what did we do well and what did we, uh, what do we have room to improve? And uh, whether it's, you know, improvement with, uh, like you mentioned, uh, you know, WordPress template that we use, uh, never going to use that one again. Or um, if something uh, went wrong because we missed a step in the process, um, we reiterate, uh, you know, how important process is. But uh, each success and each failure presents opportunity to learn and grow. And we really uh, look forward to those opportunities um, to move to the next level. I'm really interested to hear that. You know, there's so many companies that know they should do that or talk about doing something like that, but it really just ends up being whoever worked on that project learned that lesson. It doesn't get, it doesn't become institutionalized learning. um, Sure. Because people have good intentions of we're going to do this review, but really we're just too busy. So, you know, this month we're not going to do it guys. We're just going to have to put that up until next month because I've got this deadline. Um, Right. And, and then it gets pushed off and off and people don't do it. Was it, was it hard to get into that routine of, of pulling everybody off real work every single month to do that? <laughs> it took a little um, uh, coercion maybe, and that may not be the right word, but uh, uh, <laughs> sure. it, probably enticing, um, enticing them with beer. Um, I don't know a developer that doesn't appreciate a good brew. Um, but uh, and then also... Uh, getting off site, I think, has been really important. Um, if if we sat 
you know, in our, you know, bullpen or, or, you know, a conference room, even everybody would bring their laptops in and we'd have a meeting, but they'd be, you know, typing away, you know, finishing something up, emailing mm. somebody, whatever, Not really uh, but getting, yeah. Um, getting off site and, uh, it, it really helps us focus. I bring an agenda. So we, we stick to it. Um, we don't get off track and everybody appreciates that because they know we're going to be out of here in an hour. We're going to have a couple of beers and then, um, you know, hopefully head home. It is, it is interesting that consistency. I think for somebody like me who likes to hear themselves talk, it could be easy <laughs> to drone on and not stick to an agenda. Um, sure. and, but you do set that expectation, right? Of Absolutely. whether people can trust you that the next one's going to be an hour or not. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's in my best interest too. I mean, we're, we're paying them to be there. We're, um, you know, providing, uh, you know, beverages of choice. And so it's in my best interest to keep it timely as well. (laughs) Sure. Um, well, listen, we like to ask all the guests for book recommendations and, uh, I know you've, you've talked already, but what, what else would be on your list that you said you're an audiobook guy? Yeah. Um, so just going old school, I love uh, Malcolm Gladwell, uh, you know, his tipping point outliers. And um, uh, so I guess in my, from my perspective, there are different uh, yeah, types of authors, different types of books that meet my specific appetite. Uh, so I don't read a lot of uh, fiction, um, but uh, uh, Gladwell is big on taking a, you know, a complex situation and breaking it down, uh, to, uh, to, to why people made certain decisions and what were the effects of that and, uh, you know, how that can impact someone's yeah. business. Have you read the David and Goliath one? Not yet. It's on yeah, my list. Me, me either. I was going to ask you, you know, I've read the other, I've read the other, you know, some of the others and really enjoyed them. And, uh, it's one that's, it's kind of been on the list for a while and I just still haven't got around to it. So, so you're yeah. no, you're no help at all there. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, uh, I- uh, Marcus Buckingham on the on a similar uh, you know channel I guess uh, is huge for me in terms of uh, I'm fascinated by the psychology in the workplace uh, what makes a good employee how do you motivate uh, and you know how do you correct somebody reprimand without you know uh, emasculating them or whatever it's um, what, he is pretty phenomenal what's his so he's got a, a series of books, um, and uh, let's see, I, I forget the uh, the title, um, but they go they go in order. Um, I wish I could remember the title of the, the big okay. one. We'll, just, we'll put we'll put links to it on your page on Ideation Collective. We'll put the links. Sure. Okay. Uh, but Stand Out uh, was one of his big ones, and uh, it's uh, it was pretty good. Um, along the more entertaining. Um, I really like uh, Seth Godin, uh, you know, Brendan Richard. Um, they're very, like, creative, and they satisfy another need uh, of mine when my appetite is more to be, uh, to be entertained while I'm being educated. But uh, one you may not have heard of, uh, James Pennebaker, uh, Secret Life of Pronouns. <laughs> yeah, I haven't uh, heard that one. What's about? It's, uh, so um, they... They have gone through and analyzed uh, texts, um, everything from you know Shakespeare to poetry to emails, and have uh, identified certain threads 
of uh, of communication in how uh, what, how people take uh, how people respond to those uh, that type of communication. So the they specifically mention pronouns, even though it, it works through uh, you know complete <clears throat> language, but. Uh, Pronouns specifically, if I'm in a presentation uh, in front of, uh, let's say, uh, you know, customers uh, or potential clients uh, versus referral partners. So if I'm in a room full of, uh, you know, art directors uh, and I'm using the pronoun you and your um, and uh, referring to educating them on, you know, best best practices for design or, or whatever, but I'm using these pronouns, you and your, they are less likely to think of me fondly, um, if you will, than if I talk to them about their clients. And these are things to, uh, to utilize in their websites, uh, your clients' websites. And uh, it's amazing how that subtle shift will, it, uh, will uh, result in a better impression of you because they don't think you're trying to sell them on your capabilities. Um, they realize you're trying to assist hmm. them in their business. Okay. That's um, super interesting. I just, I just added it to my uh, audible wish list as we're talking here. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, it's uh, it's maybe dry. Listen to it double speed, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's pretty fascinating. Um, and then personal pronouns, my and me and I, and uh, you know, my um, the same thing. If I, uh, and it was counterintuitive for me when I would consciously use the term we when referring to things that our company has done. You know, we've done, we've worked with, uh, you know, whatever. We built these tremendous applications. Um, and uh, in certain audiences, that actually disserves me um, because it's, uh, I'm diluting the influence that I have as opposed to I. Um, here's what I have done in this particular situation. I've taken the authority with this group of people, uh, and uh, it's, it relates better to certain groups. Again, it's, uh, you've got to know how to read that audience and know what your objective is. But it was a fascinating book. Um, it's interesting some- because you would think we've all been told the shoulds of you, sh- you should always say we and Right. The humility and the inclusiveness and the whatever. So it'll be, it's interesting if they have research showing times that that might not apply. Right. So, and, and, you know, I'm big on, you know, humility, sharing credit. And, uh, but it, so it was counterintuitive, but uh, it was, it was very, very interesting. Hmm. Um, another question we like to ask everybody is with our charity child rescue, trying to combat child sex trafficking and, um, you know, prevent it or help, help the ones who are in, get out, work with law enforcement. What, what advice would you have for that in general of what, what you would suggest to us get more people involved in that cause? Uh, so that's, that's something that's very uh, dear to my heart. Uh, you know, we, we help with, uh, you know, several nonprofits uh, from a company standpoint. Um, and uh, so I would say that uh, one of the, the easiest um, ways to get people involved is to hold an event uh, because people will get behind a you know socially driven um, event. So if you if you are gathering uh, for a wine dinner plus auction um, to raise money to you know fulfill the this need, I've seen that work really well. Um, and granted, there's there's more than just a financial need, but uh, but the financial helps as well because 
um, you, uh, you, you can provide you resources uh, to help in situations where you may not um, have. But I would think for that specific um, organization, you'd want to raise awareness. And uh, so whether it's you know, content, uh, whether it's a, you know, a campaign that shows um, things that you can watch out for. Um, I, I've seen even, even locally here, Atlanta's a hub for uh, child trafficking as well. And uh, so it's uh, something that I see uh, on uh, not the, the trafficking itself, but, uh, but ads um, you know, and bus stations or, you know, the, the train or whatever. Um, I, I see, uh, signs of here are examples of what to watch for. Would you know what to look for if it was right in front of you? And, uh, I think that's very sobering and has an impact, uh, opens my eyes a bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, obviously, you know, going more digital, which is our realm. Um, uh, I think you can, you know, uh, digitize that, um, you know, get people to, uh, to help out, to volunteer, to, um, uh, just getting that messaging out through the use of, uh, you know, digital campaigns, email and that sort of thing. Um, just to keep top of mind, invite people to, uh, organizations or, or groups, um, that would, um, just meet on a regular basis, I would think. That's great. Um, you know, there's there is something about that human to human connection. Di- Digital is great; has a way bigger reach, but there's something uh, I don't know. There's there's something that really happens, especially on a, a human cause like this, when it's humans getting together and uh, there's more of that emotional exchange and commitment and things that seem to happen in person. So I completely agree. With right. That. Um, another one we always ask people is who set an example for them, maybe early in life or early in their career of how to treat others. Is, it, is there anybody that comes to mind for that? Hmm. How to, how to treat others. Um, so that, that's great insight. Um, I think my, uh, my mom is a special ed teacher. And, uh, so she, uh, is, she probably has more influence over, uh, my life, my personal life, uh, today, uh, on, and how I live that, um, you know, on a, on a day-to-day basis. Um, so I've got a, uh, a soft heart for people that, uh, are, you know, also afflicted with, uh, you know, mental disability or, uh, just with struggles that, uh, not everybody thinks about. Uh, so, you know, I appreciate the approach you're taking to, um, you know, child trafficking. Um, and, uh, so that I've just got a, a soft heart for that. So, so thanks mom. Um, uh, (laughs) but, um, you know, going on through, uh, through life, um, you know, I'm, uh, certainly a sponge, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always looking for, uh, to pick up something from the people around me because I, I know that I don't know it all and I'm looking for, uh, you know, how, how can I, live this life better. And because if at the end of the day, at the end of it all, if the only thing I've done is, uh, is build this organization that was, you know, mildly profitable, uh, for a number of years, um, and impacted my, my team here, um, you know, pro- by providing an income and teaching them something about this industry, I think that that's, uh, noteworthy, but not nearly as much as if I've had, 
if I'm able to turn that and benefit organizations and people specifically around us that we're dealing with. Um, and that's, that's a much more noble cause. Um, it, it, it is interesting to me how many times I ask that question and people do mention a parent and, Mm -hmm. and it, it does lean towards moms. I think, uh, you know, maybe after a year when we've done 250 of these, like for next year's Mother's Day, maybe we'll do a thing of yeah. all the different things these innovators have said about their moms. Put that out for next <laughs> next Mother's Day. Um, well, um, any other advice? You know, you think about whether you're getting BlackBerry as a client or, or any of these people. Um, you know, it seems like the dollars are really what uh, so many leaders of startups are concerned about is, getting the client, keeping the client happy kind of thing. Um, any parting advice you would say about, you know, your approach to clients that's helped you stay in business, you know, beating the odds for these last dozen years? Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, I would think that, uh, you know, it's got to be a win for you just as much as it should be uh, for the client. And so if it's if you're finding that a uh, you know particular client relationship is not particularly profitable and I've all you know I think we've all taken short term losses just to get a foot in the door uh but if that uh, I think that number one is dangerous because you set a precedence that uh, uh you know the you know this is their rate or they're willing to work for free or you know whatever that precedent is um but uh if it's not a long term uh, solution that works for you that uh, it, I don't care how big the budget is it, it uh, there's still room for um, yeah, improvement if you're making uh, the best client in the world is not making your your team miserable for for the next two years or whatever the length of that project is and so you've got to look at what is good for your company truly good um, and then what what's your objective your your company's you know, mission and my heart, I've got a you know, passion for small business and nonprofit. Um, and, uh, you know, on the, on the downside, they don't always have the budget uh, to do the cool things. Um, but they are typically very agile. Um, they can, you know, make a decision in the next, you know, week or three weeks or whatever and, and want to get moving on something. And fortunately, we've been able to take our successes with big brands and take those down market to uh, to work for some of the you know the smaller the nonprofits or the small mom and pops that we think uh, you know are, would really benefit from this uh, you know advancement in technology. And maybe they don't have the budget to pay you know full price, so that uh, the big the big projects give us. Uh, a little bit of cushion to do some of that that we're more passionate about. It's funny you hear that you hear the other side of that so often. People regurgitating what they've read in books. It needs to be win-win, and they're thinking about this needs to work for the client also. Um, so I, mm. I appreciate you telling the other side of like <laughs> the win-win needs to work for you guys, and telling yourselves <laughs> it'll work later on. You know, if it's not working later on. <laughs> acknowledging that not just keep telling yourself well maybe later again <laughs> right that's you great. can't keep that up forever yeah <laughs> well uh well we appreciate the time you you spent with us today and and uh yeah, you. you know we'll have links to your design uh your design online.com on on rob's page on ideation collective and uh and the book recommendations and uh thanks again
Absolutely. Thanks so much, Jess. It's been, it's been great. And that's the show. Thanks for listening today. Again, if you're interested in the bonus materials that we will be producing, make sure to come to our website and join the Ideation Collective while it's still free. The website, iCollective.co slash free. Again, iCollective.co slash free. And as always, if you want to learn more about getting involved in helping the team rescue kids from traffickers, please visit iCollective.co slash child rescue. Hi, welcome to the Subway ad for two ninety nine subs. How would you like it? Uh, I'll take Drill Sergeant, please. You got it. All right, now listen up. I want each and every one of you to drop and give me a six-inch meatball marinara. Cold cut combo. Veggie delight. Or black forest ham on your choice of bread with any veggies you want for just $2.99 each. Subway! Make it what you want at participating restaurants. Additional charge for extras plus applicable tax. No additional discounts or coupons may be applied.